Awesome. All right, if you have a Bible, Philippians this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, Philippians kind of this summer. Man, I love these kids and their answers. Uh, seeing them grow in the Lord is just, is just really cool. Um, and they always have something interesting to say. In the book of Philippians, we're going to keep kind of pushing through um, this, this, this book, this letter that Paul writes. And uh, my hope is that as we study through it, that you would be encouraged it was a letter that he wrote to a church he, uh, Paul, had helped to start. And it's one that's encouraging. It's one that's challenging to believers. And so if you look at Paul's letters, sometimes he would pick out big problems in the churches that were going on. Well, really, in Philippians, it's more about encouraging them to keep going. And so this season of our, of our church life, my hope is that the Lord would encourage us to keep going. We are making progress back behind me. It's coming along. If you want to walk through there, please be careful, but you're welcome to. We're, we're putting everything back together. I got new paint, new carpet, new lights. New, it, it's, it's brand new back over here, and it looks really great. They've been doing a great job on everything. Um, and so we'll be back in our sanctuary soon. I don't know the day, but soon is all I, is all I can tell you. Uh, but thank you for your flexibility meeting uh, here, and uh, thank, thank God we have a good place to meet and that we're able to, uh, uh, to, to meet here. Uh, so Philippians, Paul's an encouraging letter to the church that he, he helped start at Philippi. And so last week, uh, we, 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 we really hit home on uh, that phrase that he uses. He says in chapter 1, to live is Christ but to die is gain. And we looked at, at that idea that he had that above all, even if people are preaching the gospel out of bad motives, the gospel's being preached. Even if, I, uh, even if I have to give up something, the gospel is being preached. To live is Christ. To keep on living is Christ. To, to be with Christ is far better, he says. But to live is, is to minister and to be fruitful, but to die is to be in the presence of Christ, and that's a blessing. And so that attitude on life is what, is what we looked at last week. This week, we're going to get into chapter 2. If you have a Bible, Philippians chapter 2. Kind of walk us through this this morning. First part of chapter 2 says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consultation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. All right? Let me read that, that verse 2 again. Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only for his own look out everyone should look out not only for his own interest but also for the interest of others. I'm going to stop there. We're going to keep going here in just a moment, but he's he's opening here in this in this uh, chapter 2, uh, which he didn't write chapters in his letter. This is just a continuation of of his letter, but he's saying, "Hey, if there's any encouragement that you get in Jesus, if, if there's any hope that you get out of this thing, if there's any good that comes out of the message of Jesus in your life, make my joy complete 
by being unified, right? By being connected to one another through the gospel of Jesus. And then he gets down here to this, to this part where he, he talks about uh, selfish ambition. And he, and he uses a negative and then a positive. And then a negative and then a positive. And that's what I want us to look at starting this morning. He says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, that do, do not do these things. I like to stop there and kind of think about what that means and what that looks like. Do nothing out of selfishness, right? That's what he's, he's reminding the church. Do nothing out of selfishness. And, and, I, and I love that he doesn't say do most things without selfishness, right? He doesn't say that. He says do nothing. Don't, don't be selfish. Now, when I see a good illustration, I always kind of log this away. And, and, and when I think about selfishness, one place comes to mind in my, in my mind. And that is Chuck E. Cheese. Has anybody ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck e. I don't know if Chuck E. Cheese made it through coronavirus, all right? I, honestly, it seems like maybe that's where coronavirus came from. Might have been Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, kids everywhere take their shoes off, they're running around wearing other kids' socks, they're, uh, they got, their, their, their pockets are filled up with tokens that have been recycled through many times and tickets flying out everywhere, right? And, and I think about Chuck E. Cheese and if you've ever seen Chuck E. Cheese in, play out in a birthday party scenario and you give the kids, like now they have these unlimited passes, right? And, and they go and they get like an hour to do as much as they want. And I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese with, with our kids and it's like when you turn a kid loose with unlimited power in that little card, they become selfish. Did you know that? Those kids do? They, they run and they go get those tickets that are, are very good to buy things that they don't need in the little, the little thing. And so they go and they get five tickets and if that's their five tickets, you better not take those five tickets from that kid. It doesn't matter if, if you want to give him 100 tickets. If those are his five tickets, they are going to hang on to him. And if there's tickets to be had or there's something going on, it is, it's a mad dash. Who can get, have you, have you experienced this? At, 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 or uh, at another birthday party, maybe you've seen a pinata. When the pinata bus and the candy's there, the kids are not getting their, their candy to give to their friend. They're getting their candy for themselves. And in that, and I'm not picking on kids. I love uh, watching kids have fun. But in that, you can see a glimpse into what the world would be like if we were only about ourselves. Can you imagine that? If our world was 100% selfish and all we were was about ourselves, how dark and how angry the world would be. And Paul here, he's talking to the church and he's, he's, he's encouraging the church but also reminding them, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. And I want to tell us adults this morning, adults, when we look at Chuck E. Cheese and we look at pinatas and we look at kids and that fierce look in their eye to go get as much as they can get for themselves, we need to be reminded adults this is for us today, right? We are not to be selfish people. Where does that take place in our world as adults? 
lots of places. Sometimes we disguise it or sometimes we camouflage it. It is, is uh, being fair and, and, and earning your wage a, a bad thing. No, 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 no. But being selfish, Paul says, there's not room for selfishness. Do nothing out of selfishness. Don't get up and go to work out of selfishness of how much you can get for yourself. You know, selfishness centers around you. And anytime you and I center our world around ourselves, it's not good, is it? Right? Selfishness, and, and, I, and when I look at l- the word love, agape love, unconditional, God's unconditional love for us, that's the opposite. God's love is the opposite of selfishness. So as we talk about modeling that for the world around us, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. He says this, but in humility... Consider others as, as more important than yourselves. It says, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Value other people. That's what Paul is, is telling the church. When I look around at our world today, I, it's not very hard to, to look into our world and to see that there's a value that some people put on some groups of people and other people and this it's it's just not it's just it's just different for for different people and and how we look at the world now look at Paul here he's saying consider others better than yourselves he's saying when we look at our friends when we look at our neighbors when we look at people in the world we are called as Christians to have value on their life So we go out to eat. The people that serve you your lunch or your dinner, we're called to value. I once had a conversation with a a waitress, and I was talking to her about working and what it was like and and what days were good, and and she mentioned Sundays. And my hope was that Sundays would be good for this waitress. And it was the opposite in her experience. She said, you know, people come in from church and they're lousy tippers right and they're irritable and the, the food's not fast enough and they don't like waiting in line and she wasn't obviously talking about anybody from our church right I know none of y'all are like that but it reminds me that church when we go into the world we're called to value the people around us and if you look at somebody and you don't find value in their life then you need to look at this and see that Paul's words that God's word for us today it's to not do things out of selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. The people around us are important. We're called to be, we're called to value other people. Our, I saw this play out for me when I was uh, probably like 7th or 8th grade. I had this, uh, this guy, young man, who was a high school guy. Uh, he was about... He was a senior when I was probably 7th or 8th grade. And I remember that um, he had it on his heart to kind of invest in our 7th graders and 8th graders. Which if, if you talk to these uh, uh, graduates, these guys and girls that are graduating, you know, bringing along a 7th or 8th grader to some of the things that they do would kind of drain the fun out of it at times, I, I imagine. But this guy, Matt, I remember him picking me up one time. He had a, a truck, and, uh, and all we were going to go do was just go to the store. But I remember just, just the feeling that I got 
from this guy caring about me. And I remember him, he was the first guy who ever asked me about my walk with the Lord. He said, he said to me on that, on that trip, he said, hey, how is your walk with the Lord going? And I remember thinking, wow, you know, this guy cares about me. He wants to hear what God is doing in my life. He wants to ask me these questions. And that had a big influence on me, a big impact on me as a young person. We were called to value people. Even people that you would say, oh, you know what, their, their, their life is not as important as, as my life is. And every life is important to God, amen? It is. That's what Paul reminds us of here. He says, value others above yourself. If you keep reading here, he says, uh, the next phrase here, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of of others. Everyone, if you're a follower of Jesus, if Jesus has encouraged your life, you're called to look out not only for your own interests. He said, he doesn't say don't look out for your own interests, all right? He says not only for your own interests, but also the interests of other people. I've been thinking about that, that idea, and I, I, I think it gets us to a point where we, we don't just look out for number one, right? We don't just look out for number one. Back to thinking about kids, right? And you can see kids begin to mature and, and, and on these teams. And if you've ever coached the team and, and uh, uh, participated in like the younger teams, I've, I've talked a lot about. But you get to that point where they finally kind of learn about the game and how uh, baseball is not just a one-person sport, Right? It's not just one person on the team, and for our team this year, uh, for Eli's little team, the, the thing that they've probably grown in the most is when the ball is hit, it's not wrestle time to see who can come up victorious with the ball, right? They learn, they learn that, the, that the goal is not just to come up with the ball with your teammates, although it took us a long time to get there. The goal is to work as a team to accomplish a goal. It's not all about one person, one person playing all by themselves and coming up with the ball. We have to look out for this idea. We have to look out. Everyone should, should not look out only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Wanting God's best for other people, you can't make other people's decisions for them, but you can be a good friend. You can be a loyal friend. You can be a wise friend. Over in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15 specifically, says, says some great insight on this. It says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive. What you say to people. Over uh, verse 7 of Proverbs 15, it says, The lips of the wise broadcast knowledge, but not so the heart of fools. And then finally in verse 28, it says, The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. We are to watch what we say when it comes to influencing other people. When I talk about being a good friend and watching out for the interests of other people, and I look at our world, people need, we all need 
godly friends around us. And you might be a godly friend to somebody today. And here is my encouragement slash warning to you. Watch out for what you say to people. Watch out for the words that come out of your mouth. When a friend asks you for advice, that's an opportunity to be a Christ-like, godly, wisdom voice in their life. And when you look out for not just your interests, you're not just going to say whatever comes to your mind. You're going to say whatever is best for, it's going to be best for you and also best for that person, right? We're going to look out for the words that come out of our mouth. I see this take place a lot. Something happens and somebody just spews something out there. And in that moment, it might be what everybody's thinking. It might even be true, but in that moment, it was not what was in the best interest of the person who was going through that. Whenever something happens to somebody, they go through maybe a bad situation at work. You're confronted with that, they share that with you, and there might be something in you that just wants to blurt something out. But when I look at this, and I see a challenge for, for myself and for us today, everyone should not look out only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. The words that come out of your mouth need to be in the best interest of the people that are hearing it. The words that you speak when somebody had a bad day at work and you want to just say something and, and maybe it is the truth or maybe it is uh, telling it like it is, okay? What, whatever, whatever wants to come out, is it in the best interest of the person you're trying to encourage? You see, I see this and I, I see what... what uh, the writer in Proverbs says here in, in chapter 15, the tongue of a wise, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The lips of the wise broadcast knowledge, but not so the heart of fools. The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. When we are confronted specifically with our words and the situation to be a good friend to somebody and, and we're trying to look out for their best interests. We're trying to be a good godly influence in their life, a, a, a place of godly wisdom. We have to be accountable for the words that come out of our mouth. Let me give you two places that this pops up a lot. First of all, parents, right? Your kids need godly wisdom in their life and they're going to come to you and they're going to ask you and even grandparents they might come to you and say uh, mom dad grandma grandpa what do, what do you think about this and in that moment that's kind of like them putting the ball up on a tee easy right that's an e they they wanted advice in this situation and i'm going to give them good advice and and i'm going to think it through and use my words carefully and i'm going to give them godly advice but you know where else they get their advice from it's how you react when you got a flat tire on the side of the road. And the words that you use, and the, and, and the way that you react when things don't go your way, or maybe even at the ball field, going off of that example again, then the umpires really mess up the game, or the coach messes up the game, and you get in the car, the words that come out of your mouth as parents, that's advice that you're giving to your kids. We talk about looking out for the best interests of others, Parents, grandparents, we are called to look out and maybe protect at times our kids from some things. 
Maybe not to, to tell them at the, the whole totality of the, of the situation. Or maybe two. That's godly wisdom that has to, to, to come into play there. But we have to look out for the interests, the best interests of, of these kids, not just our own interests. What about in, in our marriages, right? Man, and I learned a lot about this from, from my father-in-law. And he had me read a book when, when I first started dating uh, Laura he kind of gave me like homework to, you know, he said, hey, go read this book. I got this book, and in the book, it's talking about looking down the road as a man. Looking down the road for your family and trying to anticip anticipate some of the bumps that are going to come, some of the turns, some of the, 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 the pitfalls that are going to come and, and struggles that your family may have. Husbands, we're called to look out for the best interests of our spouses, the words we use, the attitude that we carry with us, the actions that we have, the hobbies that we have at times. Can't tell you how many people I talk to, how many, especially guys, come deer season time, they're absent, right? Deer season time, they're, they're, they're gone for, for every weekend, is blocked out because they're spending time deer hunting. Is there anything wrong with deer hunting? No way. There is something wrong when you're not looking out for the best interest of your family. Paul says, don't just look out for the interests of yourself, but look also for the interest of others. Keep reading here this morning. This is what Paul says. He says in verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider consider equality with God as something to be exploited what he's saying here is he's talking about not being selfish don't just look out for your own interests he gets to this big idea it's about the attitude of Jesus you know just like I shared with these kids an attitude you, you can't see an attitude but you know a good attitude from a bad attitude you know a Christ-like attitude from a selfish attitude and what he says here as he as he drives this point home as he says Adopt or have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And he explains what that means. Verse 6, he says, Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God to be something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul drives home here in this, in this part as he says, have the attitude of Jesus, and this is what Jesus did. He had every right to have every title, to have every position, to have everything focus around him, but when we look at Jesus' life, what did he do? He came to the earth to save people who were in their filthy sin. God Almighty came to the earth through Jesus. 
He came and he walked and he came not, not commanding people to bow at him, not saying how good am I, but he came as a servant. He showed that off to his disciples when he washed all their feet, right? We see that explicitly in that moment where he got down on his knees and did something to serve the people that had been following him. And he modeled humility. And, and folks, I want to tell you this. In, in, our, in your life, in your world, wherever you are, there are things that you are going to want to hang on to, that we all want to hang on to. And we say, man, I have earned this, right? I deserve this. That word kind of hurts me even to use it, and sometimes that I'm entitled to this, right? This is mine. Jesus was, had earned, and he was entitled to everything good. He had earned everything good, and yet what Paul says is have the same attitude as Jesus, who came and he submitted to the will of the Father. And he took the role of the servant. And this is what happened. It's verse 9. For this reason, because of his life, and he went to the cross and died on the cross for your, for your sins and my sins. Verse 9, it says, For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. See, Jesus let God handle all the titles and positions. And sometimes as we talk about humility and we talk about having the attitude of Jesus, sometimes we need to understand this. God, God works out the things that need to be worked out, doesn't he? If you're, if you're worried about getting recognition for doing something, if you're worried about people knowing how good you are, you need to let go of those things. Think about all the things that Jesus let go of, right? Think about the, the, the walking for three years in ministry with the disciples and the things he had to let go of when their faith was so small. And he had to let go of that, I, that, that wanting just to smack him upside the head and teach him right then and there, right? He had to let go of those things. He had to let go of his position of authority when he was beaten and led to the cross. He had to lay all that stuff down because he loved us enough, right? He laid all those things down. This morning as we, as we wrap up here and we look at Jesus' example, let's remember that God the Father fixes all the position and titles and recognition, right? That's not stuff that we need to carry with us. And your, and your marriage and your family husbands, wives, we don't need to worry about getting a pat on the back all the time. You know why? Because we're called to have the attitude of Jesus, and that's not what he worried about. It's your workplace. You don't need to be worried about getting recognized all the time. You know why? Because Jesus didn't worry about all those things. The attitude of Jesus is not selfishness. It's not self-centeredness. It's looking out for the good of other people it's looking out to love other people. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you for your example of attitude. This morning, this passage is, is a, there's a lot that we just went through. It's, it's, a, it's a deep passage. and You put a lot on us about, about our attitude. And Lord, as a church, I pray our attitude would be a pleasing aroma in our community. 
as, as dads here today, Lord, I pray that we would have such an attitude with our spouses. And when our spouse looks at the way we love them, they would see Jesus. They would see the love of Jesus. When our kids look at the way we as parents and grandparents love them, they would see the love of Jesus. They would see the, the attitude of Jesus. And when we give up things and we let go of things that aren't important, that our coworkers would see the attitude of Jesus. Our neighbors would see the attitude of Jesus and the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning... For somebody, they might not know this attitude of Jesus because they don't know Jesus. Challenge that person, those people today, Lord, that you'd convict them that during this next song, during this time as we close, they would find me here at the front. I'd be able to share with them what it means to know Jesus personally. Give them the courage to come during the song, come right after the service, right here to the front. So I can share with them what it means to know Jesus personally. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song together.